I want you to take a minute and picture a tattoo parlor. Maybe some loud music, a customer gritting teeth and breathing through the pain, and the tattoo artist. Well, well, wait a minute. Who are you picturing holding the needle right now? Maybe some big biker-looking white dude? Bald with a t-shirt revealing tat sleeves? Or, I don't know, some skinny rockabilly-type guy with a pompadour? Well, what if the artist was a woman? And what if a black woman? For so long now, the tattoo industry's mainstream has been dominated by men. When Lori Thomas was first coming up in Detroit in the mid-2000s, she knew things needed to change. So most of the shop scene was white-owned. A lot of black tattooers weren't in the position to be in shops, so we worked out of our homes. So she did something about it. Today, how a tattoo collective of black women artists is changing the industry and paving the road for other artists. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Lori, who is known professionally as Lady L, founded the Ladies of Ink in 2015. She'd been pretty frustrated by years of harassment and lack of representation, and this seemed like a way to connect black women tattoo artists. Since then, it's grown into a global collective and tour, uniting Black women artists in the United States, Canada, and the UK. But before the Ladies of Ink, and before her career in tattooing, Lori was a young visual artist with a gift. It was something that her parents noticed early on. So my parents told me that when I was younger, they noticed that when I would draw things, I never drew like stick figures or things like that, I will always try to draw what I saw. And I was pretty good at it. So they started to introduce me to different art classes, whether it be in school or after school, or like just during the summertime. And throughout, you know, my elementary, middle school years, I participated in a lot of art programs, um, submitted different work to contests, actually won one contest, Comcast, uh, for Comcast. When I got to high school, I went to DSA, Detroit High School for the Fine and Performing Arts, and I majored in visual arts. And after that, I attended CCS, uh, College for Creative Studies, with a major in graphic design. So throughout the years, I've been educated formally in different art styles and techniques, you know, painting, uh, sculpting, and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Tattooing, it's a people's art form. How did you move into this particular this particular form? So growing up, I was raised in a very Christian Baptist home. So tattoos were very much against, you know, my religion and stuff like that. So I feel like as I got older, I got a little bit more rebellious and I went to a tattoo party with my friend, which was illegal because Tattoo parties usually happen inside of a house or a unlicensed place. And I went to a tattoo party on Detroit's east side with my friend. And um, the guy there, he was drawing tattoos, but and he knew how to follow the lines, but his drawings were terrible to me. I didn't particularly care for his, his work. <laughs> so <laughs> I started drawing um, the tattoo I wanted to get because I said, okay, he can follow the lines. So he could just, you know, do the tattoo that I draw. And I ended up drawing my friend's tattoo out. And then a lot of the other people wanted me to draw theirs. So the guy asked me, like, you know, do, have you ever thought about doing tattoos? And I'm thinking, like, no, never. Like, 
I'm not thinking anything positive about tattoo artists. I never heard anything positive about how they got paid. A lot of them I heard with drug addicts, stuff like that. So I was like, no, uh, I don't know, because I'm not used to, you know. I'm like, I was a young mother at the time. I'm like, I have working three jobs. I don't think I would ever do this. But he said, you know, you could draw really good and you can make some good money. And I did actually see him working and making, you know, good money too and I'm like well he can't even draw and he's making his money so <laughs> if I got to it then I felt like I could you know make way more than him so initially I did get into it because of you know financial reasons but the more I grew into it I became passionate and realized how much it actually helps people so how did you how did you make it happen how did you get your training and and keep all your keep all your bills paid at the same time so I am self-taught. I uh, tried to get an apprenticeship and I have a portfolio, I mean, a professional portfolio. I've been to art college. I've been, you know, I still have stuff from high school. So I'm going and entering shops trying to acquire an apprenticeship and they want three to $5,000 for these apprenticeships. And then honestly, I would walk into these shops and they were kind of very unwelcoming. I barely would get greeted coming through the door. And these were mostly white owned shops out in the suburbs, most of the shops in Detroit, there wasn't really a lot of shops in Detroit at that time, honestly. Um, I really believe that uh, reality shows kind of influenced more people to get out here and consider tattoo art as being, you know, an actual career. So I never, ever was able to get an apprenticeship. Either I couldn't afford it or nobody wanted to, you know, offer me the apprenticeship. So what I did was I would get tattooed from um, an artist, uh, rest in peace. And he actually uh, did a sleeve of mine, my right side. And as I would get tattooed, I asked him questions. I pay attention to how he was setting his machine up. And then eventually he was like, you try to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I asked you for an apprenticeship. And you said you could give me one. So I'm like, I'm trying to learn. So he ended up actually um, selling me some of his old equipment. And it was so old. But, you know, what can you say when you want to learn and you really can, you know, Back then, you couldn't just walk in a supply store and get supplies or just buy them. You had to have a license or have to have a shop that, you know, is licensed in order to acquire supplies. So I literally was buying supplies off my tattoo artist until I was able to build my name up to be able to walk into a tattoo supply store and get them on my own. So you've done so many kinds of work, you know, just going through what's on your website and your Instagram feeds. There are things that that seem to pull from your illustration, your illustrator's training, you know, sort of art school kind of kind of looking things, but also just the kind of things that folks ask for when they're going for a tattoo. Uh, you know, things like their kids' names and, you know, little little tiny feet, you know, that you can tell from when they were when they were babies or things with a more spiritual bent to them how would you would you tell us maybe how you kind of came into your own art style and and what kinds of things really really grew on you when in in the situations where you did have some discretion to do your own design work when people people like to nowadays they like to give you reference pictures you know like and I don't repeat artist work like it, at our shop, we have a full custom shop. You'll you will not see flash on our walls because we believe in you know letting the artist be the artist. So I do use pictures as reference references, but I just make it my own. And I I use like a lot of detail when I do because I 
am a very detailed artist. I've always been through that in high school. I've used like different shapes, uh, tribal marks, um, things like that to kind of make my own. And I have a very distinct handwriting that a lot of people are familiar with. And they know like, oh, I know she did that because of her handwriting. I can't describe my style per se. It's just you have to see it and you'll, you'll, you'll know it's my work. Right? Yeah, yeah. You've done some really stunning work around physical scars that your customers have. And the only reason that I know this is because uh, in some places on your uh, on your feeds, you have before and after pictures. And some of them, you know, become very beautiful, ornate kind of art deco looking <laughs> pieces. Can, is that is that a common thing for someone to say, I want you to take this thing on my body and make it beautiful? Oh, yes, always. Um, a lot of times uh, people have these scars from different traumas, where there's traumatic incidents as like home invasions or um, maybe uh, illness, things of that sort. So me and a lot of people have told me, like, I stopped wearing tank tops. I've stopped wearing, you know, different shirts or different shorts because I don't want, you know, the scar to show or, I'm, you know, it's making me my confidence go down or you know it's it's a insecurity for me and then it's other times where people just like I get tired of you know people asking me what happened mm. to be able to transform these scars and make them something that they love like this one girl so it wasn't a scar but it was a cover-up and the cover-up was because she had a male artist who sexually assaulted her during the session and she said, I couldn't let him finish, of course, so I left. I left immediately. And the fact that, you know, she said the, the tattoo's not finished and it was done terribly. And it was like a cover-up of a cover-up. And I'm working on it. And she's like, it's healing so beautifully. I cannot wait to wear a tank top during the summer. I can't wait, you know. And it's like, that makes me feel so happy that even though I can't reverse time and take back what happened, she always knows it's there, but she wouldn't have to keep looking at that piece and seeing him. We need to take a break. More in just a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Lori, let's let's flash forward just a little bit to when your career was a little bit more established. I mean, how how did you start connecting with other black women artists and getting the idea about the tour? So I had a vision about the tour three years before it even began. I sat down one day and I was like, it's surprising how I'm the only woman artist at my shop. And then I'm like, when I go to different conventions, I don't see t any, like at that point, any black women artists. 
And I'm like, it's got to be more. I can't just be the only person. I did know Jackie Gresham, and she's the first uh, Black tattoo artist acknowledged in the United States of America. And she's from Flint, Michigan, but she owned the oldest um, tattoo shop in New Orleans. And so I did know about her. And I did know about my friend Imani, and she was in D.C. But a lot of others, I just didn't know. So what I would do is go to social media and I'll ask around and I'll ask some of my male artists that I knew in different cities and states. And over the years, it started growing. And then when I realized that when Ink Master came on or like uh, Black Ink shows like that, more and more tattoo artists started coming up. So over the years, I was able to reach out and connect with these women. Right. The Ladies of Ink Tour has been running since 2015 right now. Can you just talk a little bit about maybe how many people come out on the road with you? And, and you're mostly visiting conventions, right? Yes. We Our first year, uh, we started with seven artists. And that was also huge because we weren't doing conventions and we were going to shops and guest spotting. But going to shops was very hard because they didn't have those amount of booths especially with the resident artists without kicking them totally out and taking over their shop. As the tour grew, we started doing conventions because that's the only thing that we were able to, you know, fit in. So uh, now we're over 30 artists. We'll have at least 10 to 15 at each tour stop. It's just wonderful to see. (laughs) So we we do our votes on which uh, cities we would like to attend and we go from there. Black artists and brown artists working in the industry have always had critiques for those who take the time to listen about white shops, you know, being reluctant to hire black artists or telling clients with darker shades of skin, hey, you can't get that tattoo or just kind of keeping their Instagram feeds whitewashed, for lack of a better phrase. What do you think makes a dent in those problems? I mean, is is that is that a representation thing that that the ladies of ink do you think can help with? Yes, most definitely. Um, for the most part, we we are we just because we're all black women artist tour doesn't mean that that's all we tattoo. We tattoo everybody, um, and we are very versed in all skin tones. So when we go to these locations and they say, "Well, I was told I can't get color," or "Well, I have an artist on tour for you," you know that actually specialize directly on color on darker skin tone. So. It's like just having somebody and having all these people with different styles as well, like photorealism, realism, um, minimalism. We have an artist for all of these things and we're actually coming to you so you don't have to, you know, go from shop to shop to shop. You just come to one place and find an artist, artist that suits you. Laurie, if I can just ask personally, I mean, it's a lot of artists do have a fair amount of ink. Your own ink, are those pieces that you have done for yourself or are they ones that you've had favorite artists do for you? For the most part, I've had my favorite artists do them for me. I did do a couple myself and I am one of those artists that I have a high pain tolerance, but I need to zone out. Like, it's incredible when I see my like my friends tattoo themselves because I it's not something I want to do. Like. I tattooed my fingers and I couldn't believe after I did the first line, like what was going on. I said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I committed to this. Like it hurts <laughs> so bad. How old were you when you got your first ink? 
I was 19 years old and I got what most people call a tramp stamp, but I won't call it a tramp stamp because I'm classy. (laughs) (laughs) I'll call it a lower back tattoo. (laughs) And I got a lower back tattoo and it was like so painful. I couldn't believe it. Like I stopped getting tattooed for a year after that because I was like, it's no way. There's no way that people are doing it to their bodies, but, and now I'm almost covered. So (laughs) can I just say, can I just say how much I appreciate the fact that there is an honesty there? Some artists are like, well, it doesn't hurt that much. Different people have different pain tolerance and mine is, mine is a little high, but I've noticed that when I'm going through certain things in my life and I get tattooed, it doesn't hurt as much. And that's why I feel like some people use it as some type of therapy because like I actually had the back of my head tattooed and I almost didn't feel it, but I was going through a really rough time in my life. And it's almost as if I went into like a meditative state as he was tattooing me. Lori Thomas, she is to be found at Detroit Ink Spot these days. You can see her on Instagram, strictly underscore Lady L Tats, or find her on her professional website. She is the founder of the Ladies of Ink Tattoo Tour. Lori, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for making a little time for us. Thank you. That's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Bear. Special thanks going out to Alex Washington at the Detroit Metro Times for turning us on to that story. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kapansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Our podcast music comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening in today. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.